Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another edition of The Octave. We're back, and we appreciate you all coming back here to the roundtable with us. I am your host, Tig Best. It's your boy, Ann Mills. Elise Sam from Queens, New York. Core BX from Soundview. And L Book from ATL. All right, welcome back to The Roundtable, everybody. Today's topic is R&B. We are all big R&B fans around here. We love R&B, one of my favorite genres. And uh, obviously, for everybody who listens to this podcast, you're all big music heads like we are, and we're sure you love R&B as well. So today's topic is all about whatever happened to R&B. There's been a lot of changes over the years. There's been a downfall that we've seen take place from the R&B of the early 70s, 80s, 90s, even the early 2000s. And obviously, R&B keeps evolving as the years go on, but has things gotten worse? Or have they gotten better for the genre? So we're going to go ahead and dive into the conversation today. And I'm going to start things off with my Queens girl, my sister, Elise Ann. Elise, tell me some of the changes that you've seen uh, throughout your lifetime in the R&B genre. And who are some of the artists that you actually dig? Well, I dig a lot. You know, you know how I grew up. My mom is old school. So a lot of like Aretha Franklin, Patti LaBelle, Marvin Gaye is one of my faves with the Vandross. And then we get into the 90s. I mean, I skipped over a lot of people, but like Lauryn Hill, that whole Neo Soul, Maxwell, D'Angelo, those are definitely my favorites. Like I was just cooking, listening to Marvin Gaye in the kitchen. It's just like, it does something to you when you're making soul food, kind of like the food cooks itself. <laughs> um, but one thing I noticed, being such a, a old soul, 25 years old, but I love my classical R&B, it was a tweet that made its way to Instagram and it makes its way around like all like the music pages I follow it's by some guy named Skateboard P saying um R&B has become about vibes and not vocals and he Mm. said he has a problem with that Mm. and you know I love my new R&B my alternative R&B my Snow Allegra my Summer Walker and stuff like that but I kind of agree like I noticed in the mid-2010s that we don't really get the vocalist anymore. Very true. We get that we get a good songwriter and they have like a nice tinge, but they're not giving me like the Anita Baker, the Whitney Houston. And the content is changing, we're getting more explicit R and B. I'm gonna chalk it up to maybe because everything has been done before and it's been done clean for so many years. But um I think that's really what it is. R and B is really a huge genre if you really think about how much music has been put out over the years. So these new artists are, I mean, I, I think it's a bit of a struggle to like put out good content because a lot has been done. Mm, that's a good, that's a good point. Let's, uh, let's take it to the ATL. Let's go to the North side. Uh, L book. Tell me how you feel about the changes in R and B and what are some of the artists that you also dig? Um, I have to agree with Elise and I grew up old school, Commodore, Earth, Wind and Fire, Al Green, Stevie Wonder. I love Anita Baker. We all know that. Um, definitely Patti LaBelle, Barry White, Bobby Caldwell, James Brown, Aretha Franklin. Talk that talk. Isley Brothers, Gladys Knight, the OJs, the Spinners, Classics. Who in the Gang. Classics. You know, I, I really could keep going, really, but 
what is definitely missing from today's R&B is the soul of R&B. I feel like I'm I'm not going to hate on the new R&B because I do like Janae Aiko and Summer Walker and like Queen Nausea and everything. I I like those artists. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it but I feel like there's a certain emptiness that is missing from the R&B um, genre right now and if you look up a lot of the R&B music the first thing that you see is explicit yeah. you see parental advisory and at one time when looking up music that was not the label that was on the album artists have been pressured to kind of ride that wave I 100% agree with that Let's take it down to Soundview for a minute. So, Corby X, tell me about your artists that you dig in R&B and what are some of the changes that you've noticed over the years as well? The artists that Oh Bug and Lee Sand, they mentioned, like the Al Greens. I can see my grandfather now, Saturday afternoon, vacuum in the house, listen to Al Green. <laughs> it all takes me back. The Temptations, I mean, who didn't like The Temptations, especially after that movie came out? That's when <laughs> I think... Right. Right. I think that's when... You know, us as a team right. was really, really exposed to it. Right, right. You know, when you see like the real temptations, you're like, nah, that's not them. Those are the guys from the team. You <laughs> know, Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. You know, the list could go on. Right. Like, me personally, my favorite RB album of all time is Carl Thomas Emotional. Hmm. Wow. That that's a great album. That is a great album. <laughs> all day, every day. Not skip one track. I don't think that you'd have anybody ever disagree that that's a fantastic, phenomenal album. From beginning yeah, I, I love that to album. end. Yeah. Even, the, even the skits in it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, as far as today, there is not... I think the creative juices aren't there anymore. Especially with the, the content. The content seems to be all, all the same. Um, nothing really stands out as, oh, you know, this is my joint right here because it has it has me feeling a certain type of emotion. Right. Now it's just like, like you say, it's a vibe. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you could say, oh, this is going to last long, but then you're on to the next. Agreed. So that's, that's my take on that. Agreed. Let's come back across town to Queens again. And uh, my man, M. Mills, let me get your take on it. Uh, well, my love of R&B has started from about B.B. King. Um, when it was at, at Rhythm and Blues, um, I remember my parents took me to Westbury to see him playing the, the guitar, Lucille. Nice, nice. <laughs> wow. So that goes back a while. That was my first introduction to R&B. And then, you know, my dad used to play a lot of Jackie Wilson. We saw his life story at the Apollo um, many years ago. And then Sam Cooke, um, James Brown. So really, R&B has went through various phases, especially early on. It went from rhythm and blues, like we said, B.B. King. And then it got soul and funky with James Brown. And really, back then, people lived through their music. I think now what happens is uh, people make music to live. So it's become a lot of business involved with it. You know, so I think that's the main thing. It's not a lot of substance out there. It's found, but, you know, it's hard to match produce substance. And when you're trying to meet the bottom line, a lot of times you need to go for things that are diluted and watered down. So uh, that's my main gripe, uh, gripe with R&B right now, but I'm still a big fan. Um, some of the people that I look at now, like you said, Snow Allegra, um, Daniel Caesar, um, Anderson Peck. Of course, Luther Vandross was big, right. um, especially at the gatherings and things like that. Oh, and also, 
<laughs> and then you look at guys like Masego, as you know, I'm a big fan of his as well. So there's substance out there, but uh, there's a lot of dilution as well. You I have dig to, for it. I got to agree with you all on this. You know, I came up in that 80s era to 90s era. And, you know, back then, you know, you're, you're listening to whatever your parents have in the house. My dad had a lot of records. I wish I could, man, I wish I could go back somewhere in my parents' basement. I'm pretty sure there's some vinyls that are down there that are probably worth a lot of money that I gotta go find and dig out now. But I used to sit there and play some of that stuff when my dad would be off to work and he had old school, old school stuff like Sam and Dave. There was, um, you know, hold on, I'm coming. Um, he had like a lot of like old, old school stuff. And then, um, you know, the Temptations, the Whispers, and then as I'm coming up, now I'm starting to get into things like Prince and Michael Jackson, Cool and the Gang was around. I was a big, 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 and still today, still am a big Sade fan. Um, a big fan of what I wouldn't consider a boy band, but I, maybe you could throw them into a boy band type of a thing, but New Edition was a huge thing when I was coming up. Um, Janet Jackson, Bobby Brown, you know, Whitney Houston, this was all that 80s sound. The one thing I'll say that I miss about it is, and it kind of goes back to what Nick was mentioning, the substance. People wrote music back then, and it was like the story, like I hate that phrase, but like people talk about the soundtrack of my life, like those songs really were a soundtrack to everybody's life, and they lasted. Till right now, we can still bump a lot of that stuff from back in the 70s and 80s, and it is still a banger right now the things that we're seeing right now as far as new artists is goes back to the dilution like i don't feel like it's going to have staying power will it still be around in another couple of years or is it just like like elise ann said it's the music is a vibe it's, it's definitely a vibe and i think this is probably why i went so hard on snow allegra's album um <laughs> because i felt like not only was it a vibe but she wrote with substance on that album. I feel like I would still listen to that album years from now. I would still throw on songs and it would still rock. Masego, same thing. Masego is super dope. Super, super dope. But trying to find the substance is like, it's like a needle in a haystack. Yeah, well you said it's not good music, it's just music. Right, right, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about, um, let's go back because we're talking about just a general, but let's go back to a time when hip hop and R&B were two totally different things. And then hip hop kind of got married to R&B where it was almost like you couldn't have an R&B song without a hip hop verse in it. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are some of the, like the first songs that you ever remember of hip hop involved with a, a good R&B joint? And did it make it better? I mean, I feel like I was born in that era. I'm a 90s baby. And I feel like that's that's when the marriage happened. It's like the 25th anniversary of hip hop and R&B marrying. Think about like from Uptown Records down and trickling to like Bad Boys with Mary J. Blige. And then you get Mace and they're putting out tracks together and stuff like that. I mean, Mary J. Blige, all her songs are good on their own. But then you add Meth on a remix or whatever, it just it takes it up a notch. You know, you could play like one song. I could see if I was of age at the time when those songs came out. Like one song I could play with my mom, mm -hmm. but then the remix I'm gonna play with my homies at the party. Right. <laughs> and I wouldn't say it made it better. They were just both great on their own. So I'm gonna chalk it up to like 
late 80s, early 90s, that's when you get the hip-hop and R&B marrying. And then 2000s, it was just like hip-hop slash R&B. That's, that's it. There's no separation there. True that. It became its own genre. Yeah, it almost did become like its own separate entity. Anybody remember what um, what Puff calls Mary? The queen of what? Hip-hop soul. Hip-hop soul. Hip-hop soul. That's the marriage, R&B and hip-hop together. And she's the queen of it. Mary was probably one of the... I won't say she's the very first person to ever do hip-hop and R&B together, but she definitely perfected it. Like, her songs were, you know... And she would always get, like, the best people to come through and lay a verse down for her. I don't think there's, like, one song out there that Mary has with somebody on it in a hip-hop genre who didn't give her a ridiculous verse. So she's definitely the queen. I I think that goes both ways, too, because how many times have um hip-hop artists reached out to her to get on the track this is very true like what jay-z said hey jay-z but what jay-z <laughs> said I, I did joyce and mary j blige my dude you know yeah 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 so, you know mary j blige she she was the one to go to oh she's a stamp of success mm-hmm. she's definitely a stamp of success let's get into a little bit of the difference and this is something that this is something that I know L Boog is going to appreciate because L Boog has a shirt that has this phrase that used to go around online and it made me think about it for this episode and it was the quote says if the love doesn't feel like 90s R&B I don't want, I don't want it. it. I don't exactly. Want it. <laughs> I do appreciate that quote. And that's exactly how I feel. Absolutely. So do you guys think that artists back then actually wrote songs based on true emotion of how they felt? Or do you think they were just writing songs just to write it? It was just going through the motions. Mary J. Blige went through everything on my yeah. life. <laughs> Miss Education Lauren Hill is real. I think you always have that. You always have people that are just going through the motions. They get comfortable. Um, they get in their pocket and they're just mass producing music. But I think back then we had more, as we said earlier, substance. We had people that were really living through the music. The music they were using to communicate and talk to an audience that they really didn't have um, at their disposal normally. Um, right now, it seems like people are just trying to get right to the money, whatever goes in the bank, and then they're flipping that into what their real passion is. As we see, a lot of people are into fashion now that are R&B artists. A lot of people are into whatever sports drinks <laughs> or whatever <laughs> is, is popular right now. But back then, people were artists. They, they used their art to speak to the masses. Right now, they're using... Um, their art, I would say, I, I guess I can't even call it art. They're using their platform right now yeah, to get time. more money and to get more influence and they're using it for fame to springboard into other things. Right. I agree with that thing we talked about in an earlier podcast. We just happened to be talking about Mary J. Blige, how she put out What's the 411? And then four years later, we get my life. Like she had time to go into her creative space to create that. Nowadays, we see an artist popping out albums mm-hmm. every year. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you really, like, going through the motions to be able to put out art that you know your fans can be able to connect with um i think it's a lot of distractions nowadays with social media and like um emails were saying people are using their platform to get into other areas so they might not be so focused on the music which contributes to what we're getting today as did previous artists in previous decades it's just shit I think it's a huge distraction with social media and all these other avenues that these people are getting into. A page I follow on Instagram, you, some of you might know it's Artemis Gordon. He said that's really the problem. Like, 
um, artists are so bent on just you know putting a stack of money to the ear like it's a phone right. and not creating a legacy right i, I totally agree. agree with in mills on that i hate to bring up this artist but everybody knows beyonce's song on the lion king joint the brown skin girl with mm-hmm. saint john and whiz kid and stuff like that on it so there was a and blue ivy and don't and, forget blue ivy and blue ivy <laughs> so, forgot about, yeah what up blue so there was a interview on the breakfast club with saint john and he was talking about you know they have like these writing camps that he would go to and you know you spend a couple of days there and everybody's banging out like their best songs and he just said something that just i don't know why it just got under my skin like it irked me he was just like, yeah, you know, we were sitting there one day and we was banging out songs like left and right. Like I was doing like 10 songs, like within like a, like a two hour period. He had two, 10 songs done and he was with somebody else and they knocked out a few songs. It was like all day long. They were just for the whole weekend that he's at this training at this writing camp. They were just banging out songs and Brown Skin Girl happened to be one of the songs. Now he said that most of the song structure was already there and they just came and kind of filled in some things. But, you know, obviously you get a lot of credit for being on that song as well. And I sat there and I thought about our very first episode that we did. This is back when D Stiff was still here with us. And we talked about R&B. And just what Elise Ann said, we talked about how Mary came out with an album. And then four years later, you get the second album. And during that four year space of time, if you ever saw the artists do like interviews, they would always say like, you know, you need time to go live. And during that time when you live, now you have something to write about. But then you look at today with just that interview with St. John, who's like a new up and comer guy. And he's like, oh yeah, we was at these camps and we were just banging out songs left and right, left and right, left and right. And I'm like, well, how much substance do you have in these songs? If you're just knocking them out 10 songs in two hours and you know, you hoping that you're gonna get some smashes out of that. And, and it may be a smash, like the Brown Skin Girl is a big song. I'm not sure if it would be as big as it is mm-hmm. without Beyonce. Without Beyonce on it, if it wasn't and a then, Beyonce song, you know. I and Wizkid, Wizkid is like a, you know, he's he's popping now. So I don't know. Let's talk a little bit about the differences um, between artists when it comes to like a vocalist versus a singer. And Elise <laughs> Ann, you know, you're going to go ahead and say something on it. I know you will. I know you was coming for me. I knew you were. Um, but I think I said this in the previous... No, I definitely said this in the previous podcast that we have to separate, you know, singers from vocalists, from um, entertainers and artists. Like, when I hear vocalists, I'm going to think Whitney Houston. She's 100% a vocalist when she was in her prime. I can't give her a singer because anybody can be a singer. No disrespect to the artists, I'm about to say, but like Scissor's a singer, Summer Walker's a singer, Snow Allegra, but are they hitting, are they doing the notes of I will always love you? Like, are they going to do it? No. They ain't going to do it. Yeah. They ain't going to do it. So that's how I like to, you know, group some of the people I, I listen to. Um, an artist, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Tig, I have to do it. Like, Sade. <laughs> I love her. I love her. An artist. I agree. A, a vocalist, though. Not a vocalist. But she's an artist. She can write a song, and I like her voice. But Whitney Houston, her prime versus Sade. Who? Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Sade, I uh, put back in the um, as In Mills mentioned earlier, easy listening. Like Sade is easy listening. She's contemporary R and B. She's she's mellow. She's you know, um, she's bubble baths and champagne and chocolate strawberries. 
that's what she is <laughs> you know she's definitely not a um, a vocalist out there um so i'm gonna go to core bx for this one so core i, I want your opinion on this why do you feel because as we've seen back in the day we could go get an r&b album and never feel like we gotta look for like the clean version What's your take on the reasoning for why R&B artists feel like they have to almost turn into rappers? Like you gotta have like dirty lyrics when it comes to putting together like a, a R&B song. You pretty much said it right there. You know, they think they're rappers or rock stars. Mm. You know, you look at cats like Chris Brown, Chatted Up, to the Wazoo. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you didn't see that. 90s, you didn't see that. It's the sign of the times. Mm. Uh, I remember a, long, a while ago I was in a store and I heard um, somebody say, oh, I don't like Prince anymore. What? And they was like, well, well somebody said, why you don't like Prince anymore? Because wow. he don't make dirty songs anymore. Why? So it's the, it's the, what you call it? It's the mentality. Sign of the Times, Prince. That was a cute little pun. That was a pun. That's right. <laughs> that was a cute <laughs> pun. I like that one. If you know, you know. <laughs> you know, it's people's thinking what's presented in front of them everything that's presented in front of them is overly sexualized you know everything is cursing in it just take for instance when you're watching tv certain words that you never heard before that we're allowed to say before is on tv so it's the sign of the times is it a good look personally no that's why a lot of these r&b cats gotta have that label on it because then they know it will sell to me, it takes more of a person creative not to use the foul language or not to be over-sexualizing it. That's creative. Very true. Very true. Um, I even think back to, you know, all these albums that we mentioned earlier. You know, we bought these R&B albums and it's so funny. When you're young, you may not understand everything that they're talking about. But your parents could read between the lines on certain things. They'd be like, hey, wait a minute. I know what that means. And now when you get older, you're like, oh. But they found a way to be creative. You know, they wanted to talk sexy and, you know, say certain things, but they would never just blunt with it. They always found a creative way to say something and kind of have you read between the lines of what they're talking about. Whereas today, it's a totally, totally different story. Now, everything just jumps out at you. And it's the weirdest thing to have to go find like an edited version of an R&B album it feels so weird and it still be terrible like I'll listen to edited music whatever I find it fine but then your mom or your 8 year old nephew gets in the back seat that's Mm -hmm. when you have to start paying attention like I can't play this my mom like no music in the car (laughs) right (laughs) you know no (laughs) well I I was just thinking about something me and my mom's had a conversation years ago and she said, like, the R&B music today is all trashy, yada, yada, yada. All they do is talk about sex, this, that, and the third. Mm-hmm. So I finally was able to trump her. <laughs> and I said, but what about the Osley brothers in between the sheets? Ooh. She was like, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Go off, core. <laughs> me and Mrs. Jones, like, yeah, y'all yeah, filthy. Yeah. Y'all <laughs> filthy. Y'all didn't have curses, but y'all were filthy. When you were a kid and hearing those songs... You're not thinking much of it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, take until you get older. You're like, oh, snaps. Yeah. Wow, that's what that meant? Yeah. So. All them Rick James songs. Yeah. Are you Rick kidding James me? Song, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm in love with Mary Jane. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? 
<laughs> you ain't talking about the candy either. <laughs> I personally feel like when it comes to R&B, R&B and explicit just shouldn't be in the same sentence. Agreed. There's just been such a, an intermingling of hip-hop and R&B together that there's been a confusion in the music industry when it's R&B. Like, let's take, for instance, um, Drake. People will come for you if you do not claim that he is a R&B singer because he quote-unquote sings in his song but he sings and raps so there's somewhat of a confusion of they don't know where being, to put him they don't know where to put him or to group him in a genre is he a r&b singer or or is he a rapper so i feel like there's there's been a confusion in that and in that matter in the aspect of the music industry that r&b has fell through the shuffle and the shifts of the music industry and it's kind of been like pushed back so going back to Tick's earlier point about this marriage of R&B and hip hop, even though it was about 25, 30 years ago, based on what we're getting today, it has been to its detriment, that union. Mm, that's a really good question. Because if you think about it, like we got some heat in the 90s and even the early 2000s between that marriage, but you know, things got a little hairy come 2010, 2020s. Like, can that stuff, that music we got in the late 80s early 90s is it enough to like compensate for what we're getting now that's a really good question in mills i'm gonna let i'm gonna let mills tackle that one yeah how you feel about that (laughs) course like nah (laughs) 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 i see you (laughs) um i think when it comes to the shock value that people are trying to tap into definitely i think that has taken us a few steps back um, I think some people have become limited in what they're able to give to us um, based on the shock value they're trying to put out there. And maybe we have some of that responsibility as consumers. Maybe it's our fault for buying it. You know, it's like, why the Knicks are terrible? You know, we stop going to the garden. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You know, nice. we, we stop going to the garden, then they'll get yeah. somebody good. You know don't, what I mean? Don't let my come to a senses. <laughs> yeah. So maybe as consumers, it's our fault for, for even feeding into that. You know, so maybe some of that responsibility is on our shoulders. But for the most part, maybe that marriage did uh, tend to lean us in a bad direction where people just want the shock value that comes with rap or that comes with explicit content. Um, when we think about people like Rick James, he was a freak. You know, that was him. That's who he was as a person. Mm-hmm. You think about Prince. Prince was eccentric. That was him. George Clinton was quirky. But now what you know, some in the culture have done is use that as their only means. They become one-trick yeah. ponies. And that's detrimental, I think, uh, you know, 80% in my view. Using that one-trick pony mentality to thus put yourself forward in, in, into, the, into the masses, I should say. Instead of just making that, that's who I am and that's the type of music I'm going to put out. Then you're authentic. Anything less than that and you're not authentic, you're just a gimmick. Mm. So would you say it's time for a divorce? I think we should follow those papers um, starting, starting Monday. <laughs> well, you know what's crazy? I, that question is a deep question because what I see now is it's not like, okay, like a meth and Mary. Mm-hmm. It's a Drake and Drake. Mm-hmm. It's a Chris Brown, Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. So they doing both the rapping and the singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. The 90s, man, I mean, listen. You could get like any R&B single on a on a on a on a hip hop track, 
uh, or vice versa, and you could tell who's who, of course. Yeah, there mm-hmm. was still that's what I'm saying. There was still a distinction back in right, the '90s right. versus now, and that's why I was saying like it's just been totally stripped back then in the '90s. Even though there was that marriage, there was still the distinction of R&B and hip hop. Right now, there's not that distinction. That's true. It's not there no like that's where the, the confusion is and that's why i feel like r&b is like lost in a sense so do new yeah. r&b artists just really want to be rappers and now they're just doing everything and when i say the new i'm talking about the the new people like i'm gonna say anywhere from bryson tiller up of that new crop mm-hmm. of r&b feel- artists yeah i think yeah it's, uh, i yeah. feel like they do yeah i feel like they do the lines are definitely blurred. Like I think about this all the time. Like, what is hip hop? Like, what is the definition of hip hop? Because you know, you mm-hmm. think about black culture and the music, like everything that's okay. talked up to it is it's R and B, hip hop, mm-hmm. and rap. rap. Right. I right. don't now. Now I really don't know the difference anymore. Could I break like that I get down? rap and R and B kind of, but like when you put hip hop in the equation, then I'm lost. I feel like hip hop is R and B and rap put together. That that's a marriage. So go ahead, Core. Hip hop. Mm-hmm. It's more of a it's a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. You look at like I think about like African Bambada. Mm. The way they lived, it's almost like they lived the hip hop life. Mm-hmm. As far as rap, rap is to me rap is business. So that's why I see the distinction between the hip hop and the rap. So you feel like you feel like rap is really the genre, hip hop is more the lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Back in the day, in the early years of hip hop, hip hop was more than just rap. Hip hop yeah. encompassed like break dancing, break dancing, it encompassed graffiti, the clothes. All of that was considered like living like a hip hop lifestyle. Exactly. So I kind of see where I do see where you're coming from. I won't say I kind of. I see where you're coming from. Definitely do. But this day and age, it's like hip hop took over a whole different meaning everything is hip-hop as far as like the rap that's really what's going on people are rapping right so that's the that's the that's how the distinction used to be back in the day now like i said everything has evolved so can we still say that mary j blige is the queen of hip-hop soul because she's not really like hip-hop anymore like when she first came out yeah when she first came out she lived the hip-hop lifestyle like mary's videos was her with a baseball jersey her hat backwards knee pads they do all the wild dances for real love and reminisce and she's looking like a homegirl from around the way she looked like the around the way girl mm-hmm. and now mary is you know she's older she's sophisticated she got on a pantsuit you know <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you know can we really still put her in that or is she now just like at least says she's r&b i haven't thought that mary j blige and this is absolutely no disrespect to mary j blige First i, I ab- love mary i love her love her love her but i haven't felt that she's hip-hop soul since she dropped that song with meth in 2003 um love at first sight that was like the last like hip-hop soul um mary j blige track that we got then she you know she got married and she played um what's the song that john to austin wrote that was like number one oh, can't be without you yeah yeah, yeah. and we get into like the grown woman r&b Mary J. Blige heard again and stuff like that. Right, so right. I'm, I'll put she's R&B soul if anything, but hip hop. Cause she'll put a she'll put a hip hop artist every once in a while. Yeah. Like on the 
um, what was the album that was like orange colored? It's My Life Part Two. Part Two, which she had Rick Ross. Which she had Rick Ross on the Y song, which mm-hmm. should have been a single. That song. Was I phenomenal. love that song. That song was that beat was crazy. Yeah. I thought it was the only one. Nah, that song. I love one. that one. That joint is. It was the better. It was the best song on the album. I in agree. My opinion, and she had Drake on the album. And Beyonce. She was Beyonce, and that song with her and Rick Ross was not a single, and it was the best song. On that it was. Album. It was super New York, but it was R and B, like perfect. That was a perfect track for 100%. her. If you have not heard that song called "Why," featuring Rick Ross on the, you on should the my drop Life it at Part the end of this two. episode. Yo, you know what? <laughs> We're going to do that. <laughs> you could drop at the end of this episode. So you guys hang on. I'm going to play the full version of why at the end of this episode, because you need to hear that. It's one of Mary's most phenomenal joints, and it should have been a single. Shout out to Mary. We're going to definitely put that on. Um, can, 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 I, can I just jump on that question? Definitely. You can. Movie? Definitely. I'm going to still consider her hip hop, too. Okay. Only because she still has ties. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, she's yeah. still her time. Somebody can break up. Mary, I need you. I need you. Da, da, da. And she'll, she'll do it. Sometimes people get older. The experiences change. And not to say that she left it behind, but that's not really a focal point. Like right now, what was the last album she came out with? How long ago was that? Was It It wasn't about the My Life album. She has put mm-hmm. out something else, right? Um, yeah. She did like a studio session. She did the album. London session. Mm-hmm. And she did something else after that. Yeah, there's one. I forgot the album name. Coming after that. Yeah. Me too. So, how many years ago would you say that is? It's within the last seven. Yeah. Last seven. Within All right. The last seven. Now, here's my question to y'all. She's doing a lot of acting now. Mm-hmm. She's been doing some acting for a while. She just got a new spot on uh, on Power. Yeah. So last so, album. Me... I'm sorry, Core. Last album was called Strength of a Woman. Yeah, 2017. 2017. Oh, I forgot about that. How? <laughs> it was a good album. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. About, you know, she left. She kind of left the hip hop scene alone. Mm-hmm. Now she's into the acting. She's doing more acting than she's doing music. Now, can that question be raised? Does she leave music alone altogether? I don't think she'll ever leave music alone altogether. And the acting that she's doing, um, she's finding like she's finding good roles. She's finding good roles. Um, they're not like. Well, let me change that because right now I don't know what this new thing is, but she, I know she just got a role with on Power. I've been seeing the commercials for that with her on that. So I'm, and that's I'm going to say a hip hop styled show. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that's that's the, the point zone. I was trying to get there. Like she never left She's it. Still connected. She never left it. Yeah. Still connected. Yeah. It. That was the point I wanted to make. Good looking out, Tim. I got you. She's still heavy <laughs> in these streets. Heavy <laughs> in these streets. <laughs> no, that's that's a good point. That's a really really good point. How do you guys feel about R&B artists that do try to make the switch to acting? I personally don't have a problem with it unless you're a good actor. Because, I mean, you don't want to be... You want to branch out. Right. You don't want to stay in the same bubble. Because there's been artists that, you know, have, like, cameos and stuff stuff like that. Should they have gotten those cameos? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) First off, a lot of artists get a role because of their popularity in music. Not really that you have acting skills. Right. Absolutely. But it's just that we know we can sell a ticket because your name is attached to this project. One of my favorite people in the whole wide world is my homegirl, Jilly from Philly, Jill Scott. Jill Scott is an R&B artist. She sings great. She's phenomenal with her vocals. She's a sweet person just in general in real life. And then on top of it, the girl can act like nobody's business. 
and she's you can tell she taps into whatever person that she's playing like she turns into that person i think she can really make a transition over and just be an actor and some did a great job Mm -hmm. you have diana ross with the wiz yeah i have a problem with that one because she wasn't even supposed to have that role oh yeah that's true it was supposed to be i i get mad i just think about that the other day it was supposed to be stephanie mills she's she got robbed Stephanie Mills was supposed to be Dorothy and the Wiz, and but she did it on Broadway. I think. I think I saw Stephanie Mills. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, yeah, but I wanted her in the movie a long time. MJ, come on, she would have spoke that. Been great for that role. No, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, Nick. I just have to put that out there so people know that wasn't supposed to go to Diana Ross. But it was some great acting. It was. Diana still Absolutely. did her thing. Still she did. did. And then Chris Brown and Takers. <laughs> he did a good job. Yeah, did, you know what? Honestly, he actually did do a good job in that movie. Mm-hmm. He did, and, and I mean, most of those stunts he did himself. He did, yeah, most of the stunts. A little he did daredevil. Himself. And you working alongside guys like Idris Elba, who is an accomplished actor, you know, and you held your own in those roles. Uh, Michael Michael Ealy was also in the movie, and what's the guy with the green eyes? Is that Michael Ealy? Michael Ealy. That's yeah, that's Michael Ealy. Ealy. Yes. And Paul Walker, Fast and Furious guy. He was. I mean, listen, Paul's not the greatest actor in the world. He can drive hey. some bad, but he's not, but he he was okay in that role that he did. He was okay. He did. He was okay. Nobody. How we, we didn't talk about Usher in this whole... How did we not talk about Usher? So now Usher tried to do some acting once. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Actually, he did a, um, that movie well, where he was Sugar Ray Robinson, too. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot that. about that one. I totally forgot about that one. That was supposed to be big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was supposed to be. <laughs> uh, the last, uh, was it called Hands of Stone or something like that? Uh, I don't something like that, yeah. Okay. The dumpster I threw that DVD in was, was big. <laughs> hey, don't do Usher, but I meant we didn't bring Usher up, period, in regards to music. Like, he's been around for a minute, and he's still putting out music. I, I don't really go for his albums like I did like Confessions, 8701 here I stand, Raymond vs. Raymond after that it just got a little hairy like how do we feel about him in this mix because he's he's up there, he a legend in his R&B, hip hop 100% that he like, is so, how do we feel about him in that I mean I, I like, I've always liked Usher mm-hmm. um, I can't say that I've been like a fan of every album mm-hmm. um, 8701 I was a fan of that album. I was a fan of... I mean, everybody's a fan of Confessions. If, if you're, you're not a, not fan, of a fan of Confessions, get out of here. Please get out of here. Do not ever tune into the octave again if you're not a fan of Confessions. It's the greatest Actually, let me album stop of come the 21st century. Come on, come on back. If we need these ratings. <laughs> I need these ratings. Come on back. <laughs> but no, Confessions was a, was a beautiful album. And what was that last one that he put out where it's, he looked like a statue on the front cover of it? Like, his face is like stone? That had the, yeah. the song with Future. Yeah. I forgot. I'm going to look it up. Oh, our core is looking up. But that's why I posed that question. Like, he has put out good albums and he's still putting that music. Did he, but they're not as popular as it once, as he once was. As it once like, was. Did, did he fall through the cracks? Did he stick to himself? Did he make a transition? Like, I, I genuinely don't know. I'm posing Hard that. to love. Hard, Hard to, to love. Hard to love. Yes. Hard to love was, yo, it's a really good album. Like, I, I stand behind that album. It's a really good album. Solid album to listen to. So if y'all get a little time, um, 
definitely check out Hard to Love. Um, that came out in 2016. It was a really good album. Um, I, I, I don't think that I don't think that anything could top that Confessions album though. Oh, nothing's going to top Confessions. Yeah, no. Confessions is his Mary's My Life. Like that's that, his magnum opus. Yeah. That's your so, that's your off the wall. That's your MJ. So did he like? I hate to say stifle because that was such like a powerhouse album. Like being that the album was so good, could he like not? live up to it even though the other i liked raymond versus raymond a lot here i stand was cool but i love raymond versus raymond but he has not like recaptured what he once was i know he's getting older and like times are changing it's a new generation but where are we putting him he fall in the cracks he stick to himself and people aren't feeling it no more he's making a transition and we're not feeling it like i think that usher and i don't want to body up this conversation but i i think that usher he reached the pinnacle of confessions in 2004 and he's been forever trying to catch that high again and you're not really getting there raymond versus raymond was cool Mm -hmm. wasn't great but it was cool then when he did like here i stand i did not like i didn't like that album at all i didn't like um looking for myself club like it was like it was like i could take a song off of it Mm -hmm. but as a body of work i didn't really like it um, Hard to Love, I thought he did a really good job with. I'm really anxious to hear what the new album's going to sound like because I've heard a couple of singles yeah. already. The joint with Ella May is pretty dope. And then he has another song that I heard. I think I sent it to Elise Ann the other day mm-hmm. um, called Bad Habits. And that one was actually pretty good as well. So I'm waiting to see what the album's going to sound like because um, I want to see him get back to where he was. If you can give me another Confessions, man, I'm happy. I'll take it. But will we even appreciate it? that i'm bringing up my quote like it's not about vocals anymore it's about vibes usher's a vocalist 100%. he's a vocalist 100 like i do you think he will ever really recapture that confessions in this climate no i mean honestly when that person when an artist has that album <laughs> this is it yeah it's like they can't they can't get that album again <laughs> And it's because of what you go through in life. Like, remember when I said Mary said she gave space in her albums because she needed time to live, have experiences, and then come back and write about them. Usher was going through some stuff during that confessions time. He's not going through that anymore. It's like it's like a rap artist. It's like Jay-Z. Jay can rhyme about the block all day long right now, and none of us will believe it because we're like, you're a billionaire living in Hollywood. Like, you're not on the block anymore. So would we appreciate it? It could be a phenomenal album, but would we really appreciate it coming from like no, because you aren't living those experiences? I think the person has to be living that experience and then we kind of we gravitate to it. Yeah, or something has to be going on in the world at the time. Absolutely. I think like you said, Jay-Z when he made Blueprint, 9-11 had happened. Yeah. You know, so I think that just made that album even bigger than it would have been anyway. So I think it's what they're going through and what's going on in the world really make something a classic like that especially confessions Woo. absolutely yeah, that album. Yeah. it's a monster monster album fire 100 percent. my number one album of the 21st century y'all can debate me but that's <laughs> i'm putting it that that high up so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna wrap this conversation up but i want to um leave you guys with this question that actually core bx came up with uh, a couple of days ago we were we were in the octave chat and we were just kind of talking to each other and Cora dropped this question. He said, if you had one R&B album to listen to for the rest of your life, like <laughs> this is the last one that you could listen to, what would be that R&B album? So I'm going to go through the room. Cora, what, 
Actually, I already know what Corey's yeah, doing. I already said mine. I he's going to Thomas. He's on Bad Boy Records. He's going to Paul Thomas. I love that. Um, I just love that album from front to back. Mm. At least Anne is thinking about it. So I'm going to skip. And Mills is in real deep thought right now. You guys can see <laughs> One? That. You can't give me three? <laughs> no, nah, one album. One, one album. For the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. So, Miss Education Lauren Hill. Wow. I did yeah. not think you were going to go there. But what okay. did you think I was going to go for? With Daniel Caesar? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I love did. him too. If I had uh, top 10, yeah. it's a couple other people I would put. It's another person. I can't say his name in the album, but you know it. I that know. Was, Yeah, it would be number two. Okay. But we got to get more ratings before I drop that. <laughs> before I drop that person. I got you. L Book, what would be like your album to listen to? One, one final R&B album. Uh-oh, That's she breathing easy. hard. She breathing heavy on this one. Like, wait a minute. You said it's easy. Let's hear it, girl. Let's hear it. That's easy. Oh, it's easy. I am I am an old soul. Mm-hmm. Anita Baker. The greatest hits. Okay. got everything on it. got everything on it. That's fair. That's it. Respect. That's, That's fair. It. 100% respectable. In Mills. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be D'Angelo Voodoo. Ooh, that's a great one. Wow. That's a good one. That's a really good one. It really is. It really is. I like that one a lot. And uh, I kind of fall in the same category with my sister L Book here. I'm an old soul as well. And uh, one lady has always had my heart, and that is Miss Anita Baker. And one specific album with only like eight songs on it holds my heart. And that's the Rapture album. Rapture. Mm-hmm. I can listen to Been So Long, um, yep. Same Old Love, Check. Uh, Sweet Love. I can listen yep. to them songs every day, all day, twice on Sunday. Like it's, <laughs> it's 365. 365. That's, that's my girl. I'm trying to be in a shower singing to the loofah. Word. <laughs> <laughs> Word up. Yo, guys, thanks for coming back to the table on this one. Changes in R&B. Um, if there's anything that we can appreciate is I think we get a deeper appreciation for the music that came before and um, the way those artists wrote back then. You know, they're, they're just like legendary albums all the way up they, until they, now. They, they, they stand the test of time. They definitely stand yeah. the test of time. So we have to appreciate that. And, you know, I really hope that some of the young cats that are out there who are making music right now, that they eventually... Um, learn that you know what if we want to stay around for decades past even when we're on this earth that we got to write with some type of um, with soul and write with meaning things with meaning is what's always going to stand the test of time appreciate you all for being here today thank you everybody for coming through and listening to the octave as always this is episode number eight i am your man tick best i got my brothers in here core bx in mills and my sister's l book and elise ann and we will catch you guys on the next one and everybody stay tuned for that mary j blog because i'm definitely playing that definitely do that all right y'all peace With the ghetto in my review. You are my every tomorrow. The world is ours. Mary J. Blige. I've been lying in my bed, crying till my eyes are red. We both said that things will change, but it's still the same shade of gray. When did it all just start to fade? I know you're fed up so much